1: Welcome to WTIC's Pet Talk. Today, Lori Fast takes your pet behavior questions. This is a show for you and your best friend. Call in now at 522-WTIC, 1-800-966-WTIC, or star WTIC from your cell phone if you have AT&T Wireless. And now, Pet Talk.
2: Hello, and welcome to this week's edition of Pet Talk. If you're a regular listener to the show, then you know that this show has somewhat of an unusual format because I alternate this time slot with Dr. Dennis, who's a veterinarian from Bloomfield, and of course she covers the health edition of Pet Talk, and um, I do the behavior edition of Pet Talk. And so, yeah, I mean, there's some crossover where people will ask me questions, um, health related. Uh, I don't claim to have the answers there, but I can maybe give you some ideas of what questions to ask and what kinds of things, you know, you might consider doing. Um, and of course, if people call Dr. Dennis with a behavior issue, I'm sure there's some helpful hints that she has, but in, in my case, my specialty is helping people who have pets with behavior issues. And obviously her specialty is helping people who have health issues. So uh, it's been a couple of weeks. We had kind of a strange rotation. I've been not in the studio for a couple of weeks. Um, I think the rest of the month is going to be uh, kind of more of straight up rotation so if you'd like to hear dr dennis you can tune in next week and then the following week uh, it'll be me again and i do post when i'm going to be on the air on my website um both because people ask me this all the time, and that's an easy reference. And to be quite honest with you, sometimes I have to check myself because it's not always a, a straight-up um, rotation. Sometimes the show is circumvented because of uh, a baseball game or a uh, conflict of schedule, whatever. But in any case, um, if you'd like to call into the show today, I'd love to talk to you. The number here in the studio is eight six zero five two two w-t-i-c. So if you want to call in, 860-522-WTIC. And I do share my website, which is Lorifastdogtraining.com And I have invited people to contact me off the air. And many of you have. Uh, if I can answer a question through an email or I can answer a question on the phone, I'm always happy to do that. I can't always do that. Sometimes I actually have to see in person what is going on. But uh, I'm not going to waste my time or your money uh, telling you, you know, scheduling a lesson when the answer is fairly straightforward. And if you haven't tried some simple solutions, uh, you know, I think you're better off trying that first before we start saying, okay, you know, you, you need a stronger intervention. So just so you know putting it out there. So um, usually Pet Talk is kind of like a lighthearted show and uh, and nothing political, nothing too deep. But today I'm going to kind of take a walk down the dark side a little bit. Uh, And the reason is because I think most people have heard that there is a connection between animal cruelty and violence against humans. And that connection is a lot more tight than I think people realize. And the reason I'm bringing it up is because, and again, I have to disclaimer here all of the information I'm getting about this, I've researched online. You know, I'm not in person detective actually uh, seeing what's going on, but uh, let's talk about Peyton. I believe his last name is Jen Peyton Gendron, the 18-year-old who was the buffalo shooter. Well, apparently, he not only was abusing animals, he was posting his abuse online. Um, so, you know, if you're posting your abuse online and you're bragging about it, you know, that's uh, – you're online. It's you. We know it's you. We know you did it. So you're killing cats. You're going out of your way to sadistically capture and torture animals. Apparently, one of the cats he killed, his mother, gave him a box and said, here you go, son, here's a box. You can put your, the dead cat that you just captured and tortured into this box and uh, bury it. Okay, so there's the buffalo shooter. Then we have the Uvalde shooter, whose name I believe is Salvador Ramos, also 18 who also not only abused animals, but also posted this online, okay? So here's somebody who, you know, not only did these horrible, horrible things, but put it up on, I believe the media platform he put it on was called Yubo, Y-U-B-O. I haven't ever heard of that. But, you know, if, if you're going to actually not only do this, but put this online, we now all know who you are. Why is this okay? So, I mean, and from my point of view, the fact that you're doing it at all should be reason enough to put a stop to you and what you're doing and, you know, serious intervention lock you up, whatever the case may be. But the fact that we now, these last two major shooting events were people that were abusing and publicly broadcasting their abuse on social media. Maybe it is time to take a little seriously what people are doing to animals. Apparently, there is a bill in Connecticut for an animal abuse registry. Um, So it hasn't come to pass, but it's up for consideration. And if either of these characters were on an animal abuse registry and part of the process of purchasing a gun um, involves checking that registry, then neither one of these things would have happened, not to mention all the other horrible things. And, you know, I, I think that if, if you were to do an Internet search about the connection you would between animal abuse and human Abuse and murders and horrible, horrible, sadistic things. The connection is so tight; it is you cannot overlook it. It's just not something to overlook. And I think people historically have taken this far too lightly. And I think it's time to no longer do that. So that's a little bit of a different take uh, than um, other types of legislation. But I I really want to put that out there, and maybe something with that connection can be put to use and have some of this horrible, horrible stuff stop. So anyway, that, that's all I'm going to say on that matter, and we're going to take some calls and try to lighten it up a little bit here. Okay, let's see if I can get Sandra. Hi, Sandra. Hello. How
3: are you today? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I'm just worried about my puppy. He's seven months old, mm-hmm. and when I I've, I've noticed that when I take him for little walks, uh, he tends to drag his front paws. Oh. And the two middle ones are the ones the fingernails are um how you call it? You know, he tends to those two are the ones that are hitting the sidewalk the street.
2: Okay, well that's certainly not normal. Has he has he always done this or is this new? No, no, I've 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 noticed it. Okay. And how, how old is your puppy? Seven months? Seven months. So you noticed it from the moment that you got him that he was doing
3: this? No, because I started taking him out for walks like a month ago. Okay. And that's when I noticed because I
2: could hear it when he's walking. Yeah. Okay. Well, that is definitely a physical issue going on here. Have you spoken to your veterinarian about this?
3: He he doesn't know what it is. He, he claims that when a uh, puppy's overweight, those are the first uh, nails to be hitting the sidewalk.
2: Okay. Well, is your puppy overweight? No, I don't think he is. Okay. I, I, well, the way you're describing it, it's not just he's walking normally and his nails are getting filed down. You're describing it as his paws are kind of turning under and he's not uh, his gait is off.
3: Right. Right. So he he's telling me that I have to take him to a special a
2: specialist. Well, you know, that's kind of like what vets are doing these days, for better or for worse. I think... Um you know, in the past, I think veterinarians tended to be one hat for everything, but you very well would probably benefit from taking him to some kind of a specialist, because I think there is definitely something wrong here. This is not normal, Uh, so you know, I don't know what they could or would do about it. I mean, I'd just be making something up. Like, would they put him in a brace? Would they give him physical therapy? Is there some kind of medication? None of these things I can give a really good Answer to, but as I mentioned to you earlier, you know the show alternates between myself and Dr. Dennis. She's going to be on next week, mm-hmm. so you can call and talk to her. She probably has some better insights into this than I do. But it's uh, it's definitely some kind of a physical thing going on. It is not normal. I think saying, "Oh, your puppy's overweight," that's the answer. Uh, I don't know about that. I no, think we
3: because I to- I only give him like uh, half an ounce a day, twice a day. And then I'm giving him, I'm giving him, right now I give him a little bit of carrots, I give him uh, broccoli and cauliflower for snacks. Okay, all
2: right. Well, it sounds like you're trying to take very good care of him, but, I, you know, again, I, I can't tell you what this is. You know, I have no idea. I'm not a veterinarian. Um, I can tell you it's not normal. And so the question then becomes, well, what are we going to do about it? Is this treatable? Um, is this something that that's just how he walks and we're going to have to live with it? And, and that's something that you're really going to have to get an expert opinion on. And I think I, I would because there may be interventions that you can do that can, you know, help the quality of his life. So I, I think I would want to find those things out. So it's not mentally... I doubt it. I really doubt it. I can't think of any reason why a dog would do that just psychologically. I I, I would very Aww. much doubt that. <laughs> I mean, anything is possible, but I would doubt it. That doesn't sound like it's a psychological issue. That sounds like you're physically off with your puppy, and you're going to have to pursue that from a medical point of view. And as I said, you want to call Dr. Dennis, run it by her, you can. But I think it would be worth your trouble to get a good second opinion.
3: Oh, okay. I thought it was like mentally, like he's not thinking that he has to lift his paws up.
2: No, I don't think so. I mean, it doesn't seem like that would be the case to me.
3: Oh, okay. So it's really something. Yeah, I think you need to check
2: it out. I would. Oh, okay. Because Um, as I say, if there's something that can be done about it, you want to do it sooner than later.
3: Right. Yeah, I want to tackle it now before it gets you know, out of whack.
2: Right. So, you know, you're going to need to get a veterinarian that you can trust that has a specialty in orthopedic issues, or I don't know if it's neurological or whatever it might be. But, uh, you know, I mean, it could be anything from, okay, that's how he's going to walk, and we have to be careful to, hey, we can treat it with this, that, or the other thing. But that's something that you have to find out and investigate further. Okay? Oh, okay. Thank you very All much right. for taking well, my call. Uh, okay. Well, good luck with that. Thank you very much. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Yeah, bye-bye. Okay, Uh, I think we are going to need to go to a break, and uh, we have Lonnie and Ina on hold. And if you don't mind staying on hold, then I will get to your calls after the break. Fly away,
4: fly away. There's a cat in the window, and he's watching all the birds go passing by. He'd love to fly out the window, go where the wind goes, and so would I.
2: Like I Hello, and... Welcome back to this week's edition of Pet Talk. You're listening to the Behavior Edition with Lori Fass, and I'm here until about 2 o'clock. The call-in numbers are 860-522-WTIC, and if you don't want to call into the show but you want to talk to me, check out my website, LoriFassDogtraining.com. and you can email me or you can call me, from the information from my website. So we have a couple of people on hold and we're gonna see if I can lend them a hand with some good information. Let's find out. Um, hi, is this Ina?
4: Yes, it is. Hi, hi. Laurie. Hi. Hi, I, I've had you to the house before when we were living in Connecticut and you had great common sense, clear advice. So
3: okay, turning to you.
2: Where do we you, said, you live in Massachusetts
4: now? Yes, we do, up okay. the road a little bit. And um, we got a Great Dane mix, who is approaching her second two-year-old birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, great dog has gotten better and better, and we've done some self-training and had trainers, and she's pretty darn good. Lots of good behaviors, lots of good listening. And what we're finding is that the stickiest part is... Um, when we have her off leash um come doesn't seem to do it we've tried food we've tried toy she doesn't seem to respond to you know i know that if your dog is food driven if it's toy driven whatever it is um none of those behaviors seems to go it's sort of a two part thing she will come and enter the car so it's not like you know hey you guys just leave we're i'm fine she definitely wants to be with me.
2: So. Where Where is it that you're letting her run off leash? Where are you when this
4: well, is I Well, mean, when we go to a dog park and it's all enclosed, she is, okay, you're ready to leave. I'm ready to leave. I'm going with you. But if I just take her to an open field mm-hmm. and then I say, oh, you know, I see something up ahead. I would like you on leash that come
2: command doesn't work. Okay, So basically what we're saying is if she's enclosed in a dog park situation, then it's not an issue. It's an issue when she has a lot of freedom and there is no enclosed space. Is that fair enough? Yeah, uh, yes if she's... Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, first of all, I think you've pretty much hit the nail on the head as to why using an all-positive approach is not always the best idea because mm-hmm. if your dog doesn't want a cookie or doesn't want a toy and running around is much better than what you have, they're no longer going to care. Okay? So right. um that's why you're having that problem if that's what you've been trying to do to solve the problem. So one of the things that um, I always tell people to do And it's on my website as the most important training tip. And if I've worked with you before, I'm sure you've heard me say this, um, is leaving a drag line. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, you know, having a drag line in a dog park. Probably not a good idea because of all this commotion. But you don't have a problem there. So if she's outside running around uh, in an open area, if she had a minimum of twenty foot drag line, maybe fifty foot. I've had dogs. I have. Uh, I was working with a borzoi. I needed a hundred foot drag line to ha- have anything be practical here. Um, and so that's the beginning of getting some kind of reliability. So if you say come, you're going to make her come, and there's no question about it. You don't have to chase her down. You step on that drag line, and it's happening.
4: Right. So we've tried that, but with a 20-foot, and I haven't gone beyond that. And, um, again, she's perfect. You get the drag line on, she will respond. You get it off, she does not.
2: Okay. Well, again, you know, if if that's the case that um, you have the drag line on her and she's responding – For right now, maybe that's what she needs. But if you want her to be reliable on a come command, that's Mm -hmm. something that requires a series of very particular steps that each step is just as important as the next step. So when she's responding with a drag line, one question would be, is she responding outside of the range of the 20 foot or is she only responding if you actually pick it up?
4: Um, Well, both so I can't tell. Sometimes she she seems like she knows she's on it, so
2: might as well. Well, of course she knows she's on yeah. It. Yeah. She's no dummy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, again, getting a reliable come command is not an easy command to get. It's not something that um, I can just say, oh, just do this, oh, just do that, and tell you, you know, in five minutes, 10 minutes, even 15 minutes. Um, mm-hmm. So the question is, do you want her to learn to have a reliable come command? And if you do then you need to work with a trainer who doesn't just use cookies. Okay. Um, and part of the process is going to be never put yourself in a situation where you say come and you can't make it happen. Now, in the space that she's running around, if 20, 20 foot is not that long in an open space, especially with a dog that's part great Dane, but if 20 foot is enough, okay, 20 feet it is. But if the temporary solution, Or maybe even the permanent solution, because you don't really learn to ever get that total reliable, I-can-trust-you kind of a recall. Mm -hmm. So what if she trails a drag line?
4: Yeah, yeah.
2: I mean, it's better than the alternative. Mm
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Well, she's also as big as me, so... um if she runs, I, I don't want her to yank my arm out. So
2: Well, another possibility, and again, this is something that I, I, I you know, have time constraints, but you might want to work with a trainer who knows how to use a remote collar. Yes,
4: I've thought
2: of that. Yep, so, you know, that's something that, uh, again, I can't explain to you easily on the phone, but yeah. when they're used properly, they're quite effective, and then you don't have to worry about your arm getting yanked out. Um, but I would check that out. So let's go, let's... You know, cookies took you so far. Let's try something else, okay? Yeah, two good options. Thank you. All righty. Well, I'm going to have to go to a break, but okay. good to hear from you, and good luck with that.
4: Thank you so much. Okay, All right.
2: take care. Right. Bye bye, and we will be right back.
3: I look up and I see God, I look down and see my dog, simple spelling G-O-D, same word backwards D-O-G, they would stay with me.
2: Welcome back to WTIC's Pet Talk. You're listening to the Behavior Edition with Lori Fass. And I'm here till 2 o'clock. And so if you would like to call in today, I'd be very happy to hear from you. And the numbers are, or the number is eight six zero five two two wtic And as I mentioned before, if you would like to talk to me, but you either can't get on the air or you don't want to be on the air, you can contact me off the air and just check my website for my contact information, which is LoriFassDogTraining.com. Before the break, we had a caller who couldn't stay on the line for some reason or another, but um, I could see on my computer screen what her question was. So I'm going to talk about it a little bit. I don't know if she's still listening, but... um, I think it's something worth mentioning. And as I say to people, sometimes if you call in, you may think that uh, your question is only for you, but there's a lot of people that probably have the same concerns or same questions. So if I answer your question, there's a very high probability that there are other people with the same question and the same problem. So that's why even though she's no longer with us on the screen, I'm going to just say what the question was as I understand it it was that her dog was recently spayed and uh, she has her dog is wearing a cone and um, her dog is very uncomfortable wearing the cone not happy with the cone and the cone that you come home with from the vet is usually um, kind of a well, I, w- I don't know if I'd say hard, but it is kind of hard. It's, it's a plastic, looks like some kind of crazy looking Dixie cup that you put on your dog's neck. And the purpose of it is so that uh, your dog does not chew and open up the surgery site. So if your dog was spayed, we, the last thing we want is our dog picking and chewing at the sutures and opening up the wound. That would be bad. So the cone is there to protect your dog from doing that. Now, that having been said, and I'm going to maybe say a little bit of something. Maybe I shouldn't say. I don't know. But I remember when um, dogs would go home with no cone. So the cone thing is... Um, you know, I'm not going to say new because it's been around for a while, but the point is what I'm getting at is it's to prevent your dog from irritating and chewing the sutures. So um, if your dog is not irritating and chewing the sutures, then it doesn't need the cone. So if you're there and supervising your dog and looking at your dog and making sure they're not bothering the sutures, then perhaps it doesn't need the cone. But you know, most of these cones can be taken on and off. So if a uh, You know, second cone goes off, dog starts chewing on the sutures. Now we have to do something about it. So another something that you could try, and, uh, I'm not going to say these are 100% as effective as the actual, you know, obnoxious, hard, plasticky cone things, but do work for quite a few dogs. And that is, um, they look like, they look almost like, um, life preservers. Okay. They're inflatable collars that are big around the dog's neck, but they don't stick out and they're not sharp and they're not boinking into everything. And a lot of dogs do very well with those. They're certainly more comfortable, um, but you could check into getting an inflatable, I don't even know if they call them a cone, probably an inflatable collar to prevent your dog's ability to uh, grab onto their or get into their stitches. Another possibility, and again, these don't, things don't all work equally for all dogs, is there's a product called Bitter Orange Cream, which is sort of like the uh, stuff you put in dog's ears, the cream that dries to a powder. So it, if you put it not on the incision, but around the incision, it'll adhere and stick to the, um, to the skin around there. So you don't want to irritate the incision with this. Uh, and if a dog really is sensitive to that taste, they'll leave it alone. So, you know, obviously the cone is going to just stop it from happening. But you also have the options of supervision, the inflatable cone, and also maybe using something like bitter orange cream. So I just wanted to put that out there because I know this does come up um, with a lot of people with surgeries. So anyway, if you were listening... Hopefully, you got that. And if you weren't listening, then maybe somebody else <laughs> might have benefited from that. Okay, so we're going to take a caller. Hi, Joe.
1: How are you? I'm good. How are you? Pretty good. I like to make a comment. Okay. And this is true for experience. The person says the dog run loose, put a loose, loose lead on them, on the dog.
2: Uh, we were talking about a long line.
1: Yeah, I think that's very dangerous. Uh, I had one experience when I was first new to it, which was by my goal. I remember once I tried that. I cut, he knocked me down. Luckily, I didn't break his neck. Another time, and I, we were around, there was a group of people talking. The dog had a lead, wrapped it around this woman. Luckily, I was there. I had to grab the lady with one arm and should take the you know okay if the i dollar. you
2: know joe you call into the show a lot so i have a advantage of um hearing some of the things that you said and i think you said that was happening at the dog park
1: no no well this was it wasn't a dog park this was it was an open thing it, it, it was open okay I mean, this,
2: it was,
1: well here, here's the, the, the thing,
2: thing joe running, you know, right, it, yeah okay i lead. can definitely i can see where that could happen i, I can't say that it wouldn't happen but i'm going to tell you this I've been training dogs for a lot of years and I've been using long lines for a lot of years and um, with some common sense and a proper application I've not had one single problem.
1: Well I'm telling you there's two problems I saw and it's very easy to see they're running with that long line. I think like scoops on a rock or a stump, it could break the dog's neck. You wanna go with the E collar? If they're properly used, I agree with you.
2: Okay, well, Joe, I, I, how, I, how is it possible that I've been training dogs since 1975 and I've never broken a dog's neck using a long line? Well, and I've literally trained thousands of people's well,
1: dogs. Well, I'm telling you, two instances where I saw a woman, <laughs> they should have dragged the woman down.
2: Okay, I'm not saying um, it couldn't. I, I, I know people running. who have their dog on a leash. They're holding their dog's leash, and the dog overpowers them, knocks them down, drags them face first. Yeah. I've seen that happen too, so would, I
1: would, more, but there's more of a chance if they're dragging that lead. Well, I, when I see that I, I'm in a wooded area. <laughs> I say something most of the time. Well, me, if you
2: dangerous. are concerned about the dog's neck because of tangling uh, problems, that, okay. you there's can hook no it to a, you can hook it to a, uh, a harness.
1: But still, still yeah, I know the guy with a boxer used to do that. That southern stop could hurt the dog. I could pull out his shoulder. Well,
2: again, you know, I I understand.
1: If another dog happens to come around (laughs) and wraps it around the other dog, you're going to have big problems.
2: You know, there's so many different things that can go wrong, that could go wrong. Um, But, again, you know, the number of dogs that I've worked with and that I've used long lines with, I would say fits into the statistically significant range um, because, literally, I've worked with thousands of dogs. And, and all the dogs that I've worked with, I you know, I can tell you dogs that have been on a regular leash, the person's holding the leash, and by far that has caused more injury because the dog is overpowering the person holding the leash than a dog is trailing a long line. So You're
1: doing it in a control environment when you do it.
2: Well, I try to, you know, consider possibilities, but accidents of any kind can happen at any time no, for any reason.
1: Learn, learn how to learn how to learn our e-collar fine, not driving long leads. Well? I mean, luckily, this woman was like, luckily I was there because the dog might have dragged her across the field and everything. Luckily, I was there to get <laughs> her with one arm and leash it.
2: Well, it sounds like that was a pretty awful experience. Well, no, and uh, I
1: told you with my Golding, this was years ago, I was trying to tell them He's come when I say come he pulled the thing he I, I think i roped the bird he knocked me down and lucky like, I didn't break his neck no I know some guy with a boxer he used to have well, to a dog's interview. neck
2: is not that easy to break well you know Joe like I said I can only speak from my experience the drugs, we've got, throw?
1: We've, that is the
2: We've got a cost-benefit situation going on here in terms of what is going to be valuable as a training tool. How are you using it? Are you using common sense? Um, but, you know, I have not had those problems. I don't have dogs wandering around with these things unsupervised. If necessary, we put a harness on. Um, but I've not... I have not experienced that. I'm not saying that you didn't, but I'm not going to say because Joe had a bad experience with a long line, I'm going to take that out of my curriculum now, and I'm no longer going to recommend people use it. I'm not going to do that just because you had a bad experience. Well, I
1: hope a dog doesn't mess up his throat or his neck or whatever and doesn't get wrapped around another dog. Because you know, even if there's other dogs around, they see a squirrel or whatever it might be, they take off.
2: Okay. Well, yeah, we we want to avoid those types they of situations.
1: You're not going to catch that long line. And you're not going to catch. It's going to take off
2: again, Joe. You know, me. you're talking about your experience. I'm talking about my experience. Obviously, they're different. And I
1: wonder if you pose this to 20 veterinarians using <laughs> dragging a long line. What they would say?
2: Well, I don't know. Why don't you do it? <laughs> why don't you take? <laughs> why don't you do a study on it?
1: <laughs> you know, 20 veterinarians. You know. You know what, what would they say and everything? Well, it's,
2: you know again, I can only speak from my experience, and you know, I'm sorry that you had that bad experience.
1: And if some dogs. I don't have to tell you like a hound or a dog like a beagle or bloodhound, good luck.
2: And if I'm working with a sighthound, um I, again, I have to be very careful, and that's why with sighthounds and with great Danes and dogs that cover a lot of territory really fast, I will, Usually go to using an e collar, but yeah, you know, there not, is there yeah, is no
1: a, thing. part great Dane. How many great Danes do you see running around loose? That's another thing.
2: How many great Danes do you see? Period. Exactly, <laughs> I mean, so. and
1: that's what I <gasps> might hope that's another pet peeve of my, well, my dog because he's uh, the dog he's tall, so he must be a great Dane. A part great Dane. Well,
2: I don't know if this dog is part great or date Dane. I would uh,
1: say, and my point is, when people say that's another side thing, when they say he's part this. I, how many of these dogs do you see running loose? Well, and we don't you, know
2: that the dog is is or isn't, whatever, and it doesn't consistent. even matter,
1: really. Right, right. <laughs> I'm just saying, uh, learn, you know, you want to learn how to use an e-collar, don't buy a cheap one for $20. You buy a good one and learn how to use it. Well, I'm not.
2: I am not against that, and that was my advice to the to the caller. But that having been said, I am not going to say, "Oh no, don't ever use a long line." I think it's a good training tool. I think when it's used with some amount of discretion, that it's a fantastic training tool. And just because you had a bad experience doesn't mean that I'm going to. One.
1: It wasn't just one.
2: Okay, so you had two. You you,
1: you know, it wasn't just one. You got to remember when you. Okay. You you
2: know what, Joe? I got to go to a break.
1: Control a virus. I see them out there, and it's like, you know, there isn't a trainer there. You, have, you, have,
2: you Okay, know. Joe, I got to go to a break, right. but, you know, I, I appreciate that's your point of view, and I'm just sharing mine. Okay, right. so I got to go. Be safe. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Okay, so anyway, Joe's got to call in the uh, Tell Him Why You're Mad show. We got to have a WTIC version of that. But anyway, um, okay, so we've got to go to a break, and we'll be right back.
5: Guess who won't get If you don't know how to do it, I'll show you how to
2: walk the dog. Hello, and welcome back to WTIC's Pet Talk. You're listening to the Behavior Edition with Lori Fass, and I have two people on hold, uh, Chester and Kristen, and Chester was on hold first, so we're going to go right there. Hello.
5: Hello. Good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call.
2: Oh, no problem. My pleasure. What can I help you with today?
5: I oh, uh, quick question, and uh, I have a I think she's a part German shepherd, you know, and she's great. She comes when she's called, and when I say go, she'll run right from wherever I am to the front door of the house. Okay. And it, unfortunately or fortunately, I, I don't know if it's a quirk or not, as she's running like across front lawns, she will pick up clumps of grass, toss them up near, and she's enjoying every minute of it.
2: Okay. Well, let let me. (laughs) Well, let me ask you a question. Do you do you care?
5: Well, you know, it's it's across my neighbor's yard (laughs) and across my yard, and she's. I mean, when I say clumps of grass, I mean clumps. I don't know if it's healthy or unhealthy.
2: Well, I don't think it's going to be a physical problem. It's just more if you just like your dog messing up your lawn. Uh, my backyard looks like a minefield because my dog, yeah, it's like their doggy play yard, and I really don't care. It's not worth my trouble to try and control it. They're having fun. Who cares? So the first question is, how much do you care?
5: I don't. I just don't want her to be harmed by anything. Oh, okay. you know?
2: Yeah, well, the only time that I would consider it to be potentially harmful is if... Um, the lawn was recently treated with chemicals. Right. So if there's, uh, you know, if if there's been recent spraying and, you know, if your neighbors did it, they usually put a little sign out there. And I don't don't use anything on my lawn. So my lawn looks like, you know, clovers and plantains and i don't know (laughs) whatever but if you think that she's going to run in the neighbor's yard and uh grab up chunks of grass that have been treated then for a while i would just simply walk hand walker from your car to the house until there have been a number of rains going by but just the dirt and the and the uh grass itself is not harmful
5: Okay, and in regards to the last couple of callers, if mm-hmm. I may, real quick, Okay, <laughs> I trust your experience and expertise more than somebody else's, and with the coming, the staying, and the sitting of any training with a it's just repetition.
2: Well, I mean, it, it certainly is repetition. Mm-hmm. That is a big part of it, but it's repetition in a productive, step-by-step Fashion. So you know, if you repeated the same thing over and over again, but it wasn't a good technique, then that's not going to be helpful. (laughs) So you need a uh, you need a bit of both. You need the proper equipment. You need the right attitude. You need to understand how to break things into steps. The more difficult a dog is, the more steps you need to break things into. Uh, Dogs that are easy, you kind of show them what you want. They say okay, and they're good. Um, So yeah, repetition definitely is a big part of it. But you know, it's kind of a total picture here and you know i mean everybody has to make their own choices you know i don't expect everybody to do what i say um, if somebody hires me and wants training advice then they're hiring me because they respect what i have to say if they don't then again they're wasting uh, my time and their money but you know i like to think that i've picked up a few ideas across the years yeah. that, that are effective so
5: i'm a long-time listener uh first-time caller i've been listening for quite some time now and yeah, I, I
2: trust you. Okay. Oh. You sucker. Oh, no. I'm only kidding. Well, I try to I try to give, you know, my experience. I try to avoid problems. But you know, there's always gonna be an exception. You know, accidents can happen, doing almost anything. You know, I, I have a friend who was out with her dogs one night, it was late, she wasn't. She's kind of tired. She um, was picking up poop, and she tripped off the curb and tore a rotator cuff. So, is it now dangerous to pick up poop? I mean, I don't know. In her case, yeah, <laughs> but that doesn't mean we should we're going to discontinue doing it. But the point is that you know accidents can happen in a variety of circumstances, and you know you want to try and be as safe as possible. But sometimes stuff happens, even with your best efforts, and that's just kind of that's life. Why I guess. They
5: call, that's why they call them accidents. Yeah, never. In-
2: Yep. All right, Chester. Well, I appreciate your call, and uh, I'm going to try and get one more call in before the end of the show, okay?
5: Thanks for your time. All
2: right. Take care now. Bye-bye. Hi, Kristen. Hi. How are you?
6: I'm good. How are you? Good. So I've had my pet business for over 30 years now. I used to work for Guiding Eyes and Puppies Behind Bars, uh-huh. and I was the first female installer for the Invisible Fence Company. So I know a lot about the collars and the training and all that, and my dogs have been on. My problem is, because I'm a trainer, I do one-on-one with people. My problem is today, when I even go to start training with people, the first thing they say is, how long is this going to take? So the the society that we're in, I have a problem with because people want to go right to the collars. They don't want to do the work with the training. I can't tell you. Most people don't follow through. Well,
2: I I remember somebody that I knew years ago who was also a trainer, and um, she she had seniority on me. She's that's harder to find these days. But I remember asking her. Uh, a question about things. and I She had written a couple of books, and in one of her books, she referenced the student who actually did what she said. <laughs> so I thought, yeah, okay, that probably hits the nail on the head. Yeah, it's tough working with people, you know? I mean, people don't follow directions, and if people are complaining to me, oh, you know, my dog's not listening, and my dog's not doing this. I'll say to them, yeah, it's really aggravating when you're saying something and you're not being listened to. That's really annoying, isn't it? Yeah, it's really annoying. And then I say, well, now you know how I feel because you're not listening to me. <laughs> and so right. it's not no, reasonable. I
6: think the training collars are great, but the thing is, when I work for Invisible Fence, the one thing then what they did, because I use the, the Invisible Fence for my, my dogs, but my dogs are trained and all of that, but... um the one thing they started doing was putting inside loops in the house, and so many gardens the dog had to go in and go through a maze. Yeah, you know, like so a landmines. Advantage. So yeah. that's my problem. I just work with animals. Oh, now, there's yeah, there's I,
2: all kinds of ways. I mean, if there's a way to screw something up, people are going to find it. Right, and it's just like kind of like the Murphy's law of just dealing with people. And you do the best you can, and you try and educate people, and either people right. will listen to you or they won't. And that's kind of you know that's it's the so best thing can because do because
6: the dogs then. You know, like I said, I take care of people's pets when they travel. They stay with me. So they, as soon as they come through the door, they're better. But, um, And it is the people. They just don't want to do the follow-up work. Well, do that first, and then we'll go to collars and things. But the Invisible Fence, I agree with. I think that's great. Instead of keeping the dog penned up, that's not right. So um, Well,
2: like I said, you've got to look at the whole picture, uh, try to weigh pros and cons, try to educate people, and then you come out with the best you can. But I've got to wrap it up. Thanks for calling, Kristen. Exactly. Right, take care. Have a good okay. weekend. Okay. You too. Bye-bye. 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 And that's it for today's Pet Talk. Have a great weekend.
0: Minimum of four lines for twenty-five dollars per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without autopay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty-four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com